1: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. I drive,
2: center field, hit the wall, grand slam! This is magnificent. Got a
1: fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality! Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam.
0: Two more teams put up at least 18 runs on Tuesday, including the Bronx Bombers, baby. We are back. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today, September 16th. He is Scott White. I am Frank Stamful here for a very late edition of the podcast. Like everybody else, I'm hoping we get Scotty Dubs after dark. How's everything going, Scott?
2: It's it's been after dark every day this season. <laughs> it's especially right? so, late
0: tonight. <laughs>
2: especially late it is. It, we're actually doing this on uh, on Wednesday when everybody's going to be listening to it. So yeah, especially late today.
0: Yes, indeed it is. It, it was a crazy night. I needed a little <laughs> bit more time to prepare. Admittedly, today on the show we're going to take one of our final looks at the waiver wire for the season. Got a few names to talk about there. A bunch of Tuesday action to get to, as I alluded to. Missed Team Name Tuesday on yesterday's podcast, so mentioned some of those today. Continue to send those in throughout the offseason. Have some fun with the team names, and then to stream or not to stream for Wednesday. Let's get things started, Susan.
1: Oh, my goodness gracious.
0: All right, Scott. I think we might be on the same page for our Oh, My Goodness Gracious Tuesday standout.
2: Uh, yeah, there's. I mean, there's a clear, it's a very clear first day. choice tier. Yeah. All right, kick us off. Oh, I'm gonna take it. Do it. He's okay, all yours. Fine. It's Jack Flaherty. Ooh. It's Jack Flaherty who, you know, the Brewers have done this twice, right to to a pitcher uh, we cared about. I can't remember who it was last time, but I keep saying the Brewers are a bad lineup this year, and then, they, and then they score almost 20 runs. And Jack Flaherty took the brunt of it in this one, giving up nine. His ERA jumped to 552. Obviously not a huge sample of innings there to, uh, to counteract the effects of this start because of all the, how, how long the Cardinals were shut down and had, how he had to build back up, finally built back up to a point where he could go a full starters workload. And then this is what happens. Uh, it's, it's bad. I mean, it pretty much guarantees his numbers aren't going to look great at season's end because he has what two starts left. And, uh, and that's so that's not good. I don't really see any reason for concern, any reason to think he's a lesser pitcher now. I mean, the ratios coming into it were, basically the same as last year. He did average a little less on his fastball in this start, you know, like a mile per hour less in this start than than what he had been averaging, what he averaged last year. But, you now that to me if we're in one start doesn't really raise a red flag. So, I'm not worried about using him next time out. I'm not really downgrading him in my expectations for 2021. But in in a short season, you can ill, Ill afford a start like this, and uh, and it happened.
0: Yeah, just absolutely brutal. I know a few people emailed in, tweeted at me, let let me know that their their week is basically over. Their season might be over because of what Jack Flaherty did. Of course, allowed nine earn runs across three innings pitched on Tuesday against the Brewers. The last time a pitcher got blown up by the Milwaukee Brewers. That was Matthew Boyd. I think ah. we expected a little bit more out of Matthew Boyd than we do Jack Flaherty. And we'll get to Matthew Boyd. Well a little Jack bit. Flaherty
2: than we do out of Matthew Boyd. But yeah. Yes. Yeah, you just you just said them backwards.
0: I, I do that a lot, you know, Scott. You would think someone who hosts a podcast knows how to speak.
2: You know, it's well, per- I'm, it's I'm probably- notorious when on grade the trade, I'm notorious for mixing up the two sides of the trade and <laughs> rewarding the grade to the wrong side.
0: Yeah. So, at least we're simpatico, Scott. We're, 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 in, the same, uh, we're in the same place here. Uh, but regarding Jack Flaherty, I will just say, I, I don't know what it is about Milwaukee, but he struggles there. I remember having Flaherty on a few teams last year. I don't have him anywhere this season. But in three starts in Miller Park in 2019, he had a 7.62 ERA there. Mind you, he had a really, really good season in 2019. So, that I means against everybody else and at every other venue, He was pretty damn good. So, I I don't know what it is about Miller Park, but Jack Flaherty just struggles there. How did the Brewers score 18 runs on Tuesday night? Uh, Christian Yelich, Kesson Hira, Ryan Braun, and Dan Vogelbach each homered. Vogelbach now has multiple hits in three of his last four games. Really only an AL only play at this point. But Christian Jelic's got an NL only. NL only, Forget it, man. I'm I'm about to just pause the podcast and we'll just call it a night. You guys will get a five minute podcast for uh, for Wednesday morning. Christian Yelich, who plays for the Brewers in the National League, had three yes. hits on Tuesday. Would you believe that that is his first three hit game of the season in game number forty five?
2: I uh, that that does surprise me. That does surprise me, and and there was some talk of uh the brewers may be giving him a a mental wellness day which uh I, I don't know i assume that just means a day to clear his head it's it's a little <laughs> i don't know the the phrasing was a little weird but that's what they were calling it and um and then he did this so you know we've been saying eventually christian Yelich is going to come around right like the strikeout rate is too high but otherwise he looks pretty good and and we expect that strikeout rate to correct over time obviously we we're not given the luxury of time anymore but i i would not i i would not have considered to this point giving him a mental wellness day on my fantasy team
0: yeah like it's so crazy you look at the average exit velocity for this season it's actually better this season than it has ever been for Christian Yelich. 93.7 mile per hour, average exit velocity, but a 30, a near 33% strikeout rate. So we're not used to seeing that out of him, uh, but if anybody wants to fade Yelich heading into next season, we did our mock draft, a very early mock, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I still think Yelich is like a mid to late first round pick. I, I don't think you could really let him fall anywhere further than like 10th overall, Scott. So I think we're on the same page there. For me, a standout from Tuesday. I have let's go with let's go with Nate Lowe, who we spoke about recently, and he had a very early in the night sweet and savory. I don't know if people like sweet and savory, man. You know, it's very mixed. I don't know. What do you think, Scott? You like it? Sweet and savory? Not really. Yeah, Scott doesn't like
2: uh, it. I, I like the uh <laughs> I like the, the efforts, and maybe through repetition it'll catch on. There were some there were a handful of interest there, there were a hand well, interesting. They're all interesting, I guess. There were a handful of sweet and savories tonight.
0: Were there really? <laughs> Nate Lowe is yeah. the only one that I wrote down, so ah. and I, I used all this time anyway. A few other yeah. like I think Adam sent to me like mash and dash is interesting for like a home run and a steal. Someone said like thunder and lightning, swipe yeah. and a smash. Whatever. Nah. Forget it. We don't I need, don't
2: know that I'm gonna like any of them. We don't,
0: we don't need a phrase for it. Anyway, Nate uh, Lowe was very good.
2: Well, the other two that I wrote down were Francisco Lindor and Javier Baez. Mm. Pretty relevant. It's about time. Yeah, Baez, especially. Uh, Lowe is not a base stealer, Nate Lowe, but I do think he's a really good hitter. I mean, he has been in the minors since, uh, you know, he kind of shortened up his swing a couple years back and started hitting for power and has always been a good contact hitter, good on base skills. And really, when we saw him for an extended stretch last year for the Rays, he, he did pretty well, well enough that I thought he was going to have the inside track on the starting first base job coming into this season. Clearly, it didn't play out that way. But he's played four games in a row now. Since getting called up, he even started a game at third base. So hopefully they're, even as a first-place club with plenty to play for, they're, uh, hopefully they're coming around to Nate Lowe. I know, I know G-Man Choi's been out, which has helped with that. But I think Lowe's upside is definitely higher than Choice. And if he keeps performing, hopefully he positions himself to actually be the starter next year. I I wrote a column uh, Monday night. It's up on the site now. 20 sneaky ads in Dynasty Leagues. I think I referred to it on yesterday's podcast. Nate Lowe was one of the 20 because I feel like he's just since he hasn't latched on yet and since he's already lost rookie eligibility he's just kind of forgotten in a dynasty sense.
0: Yeah, and that's a great call. I know I wrote an offseason art, article as well, uh some trade candidates in dynasty league some buy low and some sell high options and I had Nate Low on that list for this exact reason that you are talking about. I, I don't want to forget about the guy. I I really like the minor league profile. Back in 2018 he hit 330 with 27 home runs in the minors and Entering Tuesday at a 31% line drive rate. I think he's a really good hitter. He's 10% rostered. Scott, would you be okay dropping Edwin Encarnacion for Nate Lowe? Encarnacion's been sitting out and just hasn't been good.
2: I'd be surprised if I had reason to start Nate Lowe next week. It's looking like just a six game week for the Nationals and for the race matchups. Uh, yes, for the race. And the matchups could be pretty tough. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't really think there's reason to hold on to Edwin Incarnacion. Mm-hmm. So I guess in, in that sense, I'm fine with it. Uh, you know, another scarcely owned first baseman who continues to do big things is Jared Walsh, who might have been my, oh my goodness gracious player, if Jack Flaherty wasn't. And while I think Lowe has... Enters, his, enters the majors with a more interesting profile. I mean, Walsh has been mashing for a couple weeks now. He had his sixth home run, doubled twice. Well, that game's not over, so he may end up more than just three for four. And uh, that sixth home run today was also his, let me check here, fifth in his last six games with now five straight multi-hit games. Strikeout rate's way down, as I've talked about before with him. Uh, This was a guy last year who, you know, his minor league production really stood out. He was among the leaders in OPS. It was in the PCL with the introduction of the juice balls. It was was just a crazy hitting environment, but still 325, 36 homers, 1109 OPS. That was in only 98 games, 36 home runs. And he hit 29 the year before, before the juice ball even entered the picture. So I think Jared Walsh, even though he's 27, you know, kind of a deep, another one of those deep ads for power. They're lined up. The Angels are for only six games next week, too. So, you know, I'm I'm not going to go crazy for him. I think it's just more an interesting profile worth discussing, especially if it puts him in a position to be the Angels starting first baseman next year.
0: Yeah, if it wasn't officially Jared Walsh season, that's the SZN that all the the cool cats and kittens are using nowadays. Um, The three extra base hits that he had on Tuesday. Currently has. You're right, he's still playing. We're against Madison Bumgarner, who isn't good, but it's just worth mentioning Like lefty on lefty. I thought that was pretty interesting as well. Scott, would you take Jared Walsh or Nate Lowe, if you just need a corner infielder?
2: Well, as of right now, I'd be more inclined to, to play Jared Walsh next week than Nate Lowe. He's been hotter for longer. Uh, you know, the matchups to kind of negate each other. But yeah, on a dynasty sense, I think I'd still prefer low, though i, I put Walsh in, on that list of the 20 sneaky pickups for dynasty leagues, too. Some news and notes. The
0: fingernail saga is finally over. Zach Wheeler will, will return and start on Wednesday against the Mets. Get him back in your daily lineup leagues if you can do so. Jonathan Scope landed on the IL with a right wrist sprain. Eugenio Suarez was placed on the paternity list. For you know what, I was watching the Clippers game too, and I wrote for the Clippers. So that yeah, that's where my head's at. For the Reds, for the Cincinnati Reds, which means he'll miss about three days. Reese Hoskins could potentially need Tommy John surgery, which is just awful considering uh, the bounce back 2020 season that Hoskins was having. J.T. Realmuto remained out on Tuesday with. That hip injury that he's dealing with, Justin Verlander is slated for a 3-4 inning sim game on Wednesday. If all goes well, his return should come soon after that. Carlos Correa left Tuesday's game after fouling a ball off his leg. X-rays came back negative, and he is day-to-day. Jose Altuve was back in action for the Astros. Uh, He went 0-for-3 with a walk and after missing Sunday's game, Nolan Arenado was back in the lineup for the Rockies. He finished 1-3 for three with a run scored. Willie Calhoun was activated by the Rangers. No surprise, he went 0 for 4 with a strikeout in his return. Scott, dreams do come true. My man, Demarcus Evans, has been promoted by the Texas Rangers. This is a gentleman who, in 47 minor league appearances in 2019, had a 0.90 ERA. And this is not a mistake. I looked it over like three times. He had 100 strikeouts in 60 innings pitched, but lots of walks. So his whip was actually higher than his ERA, which you don't see very often. I think he could potentially be the closer of the future for the Texas Rangers. He throws extremely hard, gets a lot of whiffs. But I don't know. Rafael Montero has actually been pretty good. So I don't know. It's just like a name to pay attention to who I'm excited about. I think he'll get a lot of strikeouts. Uh and yeah, you
2: know, it, it it might be-, be an exaggeration to say he's next year's James Karinchak, but I could see him, you know, being that kind of you know, if it if it all goes well, who knows how it's gonna go with all those walks. I mean, Tanner Rainey this year is has kind of been James Karinchak, but you look at him last year and he was just walks everywhere. Uh so that can turn around pretty quickly for a reliever if you know, if the stuff is good enough, but yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly, the numbers certainly pop out in a way that you normally just ignore a short relief prospect, but this looks like one that uh, maybe you shouldn't.
0: Tuesday's Giants and Mariners game was postponed due to poor air conditions, and Miguel Andujar was optioned back to the Yankees alternate site because John Carlos Stanton was activated off the I.L., in a game that the Yankees scored twenty runs, John Stanton went 0 for four with two strikeouts. I'll just leave it at that
2: and come on, John <laughs> I want to call him Johnny. I'm not sure if the, I'm not sure if you can short John Carlo, shorten John Carlo that way.
0: Johnny, come on, Johnny um,
2: yeah, and then I was like, could I call him Mike? i, I wanted a, I wanted a nickname for him to make it sound like we're chums, but of course we're not. He has no idea who I am uh
0: and anyway. he can he can easily beat both of us up with like one arm tied behind his back.
2: And he probably would given the way we've (laughs) referred to him this year. I think, I think Chris is his only chum. I just thought of the
0: most random collection of humans to be a tag team. Like if they were to form a wrestling tag team ever would be John Carlos Stanton and Chris towers together. (laughs) And Chris kind of has like a wrestling look to him, you know, like the big beard, Big burly fella. I could see it. I'm going to hit Chris up and let him know. Well, what would his tag team name be with him and Carlos Stanton? And of course, in order to get Stanton back in the lineup, the Yankees had to sacrifice one of their own. Glaber Torres was out on Tuesday with that quad injury that he has been dealing with. It flared back up, so... Pay attention to Torres. We'll see when he gets back in the lineup for the Bronx Bombers. All right, Scott, I haven't had the opportunity to gloat about my Yankees, but I want to make sure people are reminded of the greatness of the New York Yankees. And I'm sure I'm going to get some emails with people hating that I'm doing this, but they're back, baby. They scored 20 runs on Tuesday, and they have a six-game winning streak. Go, DJ. That's my DJ. DJ LeMayhew, four more hits. Including his seventh home run of the season. Five RBI, three runs scored. He is batting 363 with a 984 OPS. He is a top five second baseman in both roto and head to head points leagues, and that is with an IL stint. Assuming that he is back with the Yankees, Scott, I think that DJ LeMahieu is a top three. That's right, I said it. A top three second baseman drafted in 2021. And I might, I might even make the argument that he's number one. Am I crazy?
2: Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, last yeah. year he basically performed like a second-round player, and there was a lot of skepticism given uh, it was it was a big step forward for a guy already in his 30s. But he's clearly validated it this year, and I'm not sure why there would be that same skepticism heading into next year. So, uh, yeah, I mean... Who else would be in that number one discussion at second base? Ozzy Albies.
0: Yeah, that's and Glaber. Uh, that's what I Glaber
2: thought. Glaber Torres, sure. But wait, don't, is, is Glaber Torres even going to have
0: second base eligibility next year? Oh, that's true.
2: I don't think he will. I think he'll just be shortstop eligible. That's a good point. Wow, didn't even think about that. Uh, I yeah, I I can't I wouldn't take Catel Marte or or uh, Jose Altuve over DJ LeMahieu. So I I think there may be somebody obvious we're missing, but I, I I think that makes sense. DJ LeMahieu, number one second baseman.
0: This position is bad. I don't think we're missing anyone. Like, Whit Merrifield, maybe, you know. He,
2: that, yeah, I mean, in the discussion, but I'd rather yeah. have LeMahieu. Kevin Biggio has
0: kind of slowed down. He He's fine. He's better in, you know, like OBP formats. Kesson Hira, a lot of strikeouts this year. I don't think he's there. Max Muncie, not the season that we were hoping for. Mike is down year. I don't know. I, I don't really see anybody. So, yeah, I think Lemayhew top three, potentially. Number one second baseman drafted in 2021. Luke Voigt, a double dong, now leads baseball with 18 home runs in 44 games. Speaking of Chris Towers, man, shout out, shout out to Chris. He was all over Luke Voigt in the offseason. 18 home runs in 44 games. That is a 66 home run pace over the course of a full season. Voigt's ex-slug. His expected slugging percentage is 6.15. That is in the 95th percentile. Scott, you ready for another hot Yankee take? Sure. I think that Cody Bellinger, Freddie Freeman, and Jose Abreu are the only first baseman, baseman that should be drafted ahead of Luke Voigt in 2021.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I think. I think in points leagues... I don't know. I'm gonna have to think about this some more because I I don't really think just because they've been worse this year, I don't really think Anthony Rizzo and uh, Matt Olson are actually worse. I, I think I think they they still profile to be the same hitters moving forward that we've known them to be. Um. So I guess it's just a matter of how legit I think Void is, right? Because uh, I mean were we expecting Olsen to do what Voight's done this year? I, I mean I I think it's pretty obvious Voight has overachieved to some degree. It's just to what degree, you know. Has though. Yeah, I mean, come on, a 634 slugging percentage. Like that's it's unreasonable to think he's going to sustain that for a full season.
0: That's fair. But I mean, things <laughs> Things line up with his Statcast numbers. Well, you just said sixty-six home run pace. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah like, I mean, if we expected him to do that, he'd probably be a first-round pick.
2: Things lining up with the Statcast numbers. It's and this is a point Chris was making constantly last year. I it I I guess it's it's nice to have that back up a player's performance, but like that data can change just as quickly as the as the raw numbers too, especially when we're dealing with what's. Again, actually, still a small sample here. So uh, I don't know. I, I, like I, I don't think it, I don't. I obviously don't think it's crazy for anyone to say Voigt deserves to be a top five first baseman next year. And uh, I think he has a stronger case than Abreu. Actually, you're saying you'd take Abreu over him, and I know you were the Abreu guy coming in. But Abreu's in his mid thirties, and you know only his rookie season was he anywhere close to as good as he's been this year. So that's. That's a track record issue I have there with that.
0: Come on, and, Scott. And an age issue. Ah. Uh, come on, Scott. You're still not buying Jose Abreu. He leads all of baseball in RBI again.
2: I, I, I don't buy that he's an MVP caliber hitter, uh, like an early round type. <laughs> like the, There was only one time in his t- entire career that he's been drafted that high, and it was it was coming off an incredible rookie season when he was, you know, at this point, that's what, six years ago?
0: Oh, uh, that hurts my heart, Scott. He's another one. Like, the cast numbers look great, but it's and, and great lineup. Everyone around him is hopefully ascending. Maybe not you all Moncada, but, uh, yeah, like, gosh, his cast numbers are just so great for Abreu. I don't know. We'll figure out in the offseason. Where do you think Abreu goes next year?
2: Probably, what, like a third-round pick? It's pretty high. I would not draft him in the third round. <laughs> I would say I would say more like the fifth or sixth round is where I would hope to target him.
0: Oh, uh, that's not going to happen. He's going to be like a third or fourth round pick. I think so. I, I'm not saying I would do I it. Mean, but I mean, look at where Josh that's...
2: Bell was drafted this past year. Like, yeah. why, why but Abreu
0: has, Jose... Abreu has more of a track record than
2: Bell. Uh, he has a track record of being a solid starter. He doesn't have a track record of being who he has been this year or what Josh Bell was last year.
0: Mm. All right, we have off-season to, to to argue about it, Scott. Gio Urshela, your boy. Three more hits on Tuesday. Three runs scored. He's batting two ninety with a nine eighteen OPS. This is just like flying under the radar, Gio Urshela. His expected batting average is actually three eleven on the season. 92nd percentile. He has an 11% walk rate. 16% strikeout rate. Hits a ton of line drives. Gio Urshela is legit. And I don't know that people have realized it.
2: I'm in. I've realized it. I don't know. I don't know where everyone else is. I thought so coming into the year. Maybe it's
0: just, I, like, I've heard no one anywhere talking about Gio Urshela. Yeah. Including us. But he's been very good. Uh, also, Clint Frazier has been very good. He went two for three, including his sixth home run of the season. Two walks, two RBI, four runs scored. Now has a 15% walk rate on the season. Clint Frazier, he's batting 292 with a 968 OPS. Last but not least, We have to touch on Davey Garcia, who was the starting pitcher for the Yankees in this one. Another pretty damn good game. Seven innings, three runs, six strikeouts, only two walks, 10 swinging strikes on 88 pitches. Not a a great swinging strike rate in this one, but not terrible. Now, he has quality starts in three of his four outings, including uh, going at least seven in back-to-back starts. So... I feel comfortable continuing to to roll with Davey Garcia's final two starts at Boston and against the Marlins, Scott.
2: Yeah, I agree. I I, Sure, a lot of people just picked him up for the two starts this week, but considering next week he's going against the Marlins, I I wouldn't be cutting him loose. I'd be reluctant to cut him loose even if you didn't plan on using him yourself for that start. I just wouldn't want to serve him up to somebody else.
0: Agreed. We are in agreement there. Let's hit the waiver wire. One of the last times of the season. I got another take for you, Scott. I got a bunch of takes today. You tell me if I'm crazy. If he is available, I think priority number one on this Wednesday morning when people are listening to this Wednesday afternoon, Jose Urquidy, who was at the Rangers on Tuesday, seven innings, one run, seven strikeouts, zero walks, 12 swinging strikes on 90 pitches, 68% rostered, so he might not be available. But I I if you have him, I think you gotta get him in your lineup. I think he is someone who is going to win fantasy championships down the stretch. His final two starts are against the Diamondbacks and at the Texas Rangers. His last two starts, he has allowed just two runs over fifteen innings pitch again. That is Jose Urquidy, priority number one for me, Scott.
2: Yeah, the fact he the the strikeouts were back in this start is really important for me. Seven strikeouts and seven innings. He had a strong six-inning effort last time out, so clearly able to go the distance he needs to go. But he had only one strikeout in that game, and that was kind of a head-scratcher for me. But great control pitcher. Uh, I was comparing him before you know, before he had all those issues that held him back at the start of the season. I was comparing him to Jose Barrios. I thought he could have that type of breakout. Uh, which I guess might sound funny in retrospect since Barrios hasn't had a great season. But, you know, I, I think we know who Barrios is, and I think Urquidy could have that kind of upside. You mentioned his remaining two matchups. Only one of those would be next week uh, for people who play in weekly leagues. it You know, it's still a good matchup at Texas. Uh, he's 68% rostered, but I wonder how much of that is just him being stashed away at the start of the season and. You know. I wonder I wonder how available he is among people who are active right now. It might be it might be more than the typical player who's sixty eight percent rostered.
0: And we don't do this often either, but I will mention he is fifty-four percent roster on Yahoo as well. So if you play on Yahoo, I mean just go out and get Jose Urkeady. He's a little bit more available there than he is on CBS. I just I love these final two matchups for him. Two more pitchers who are rostered in under 70% of CBS leagues. I don't know how he continues to do it, Scott, but Antonio Cenzatella, a complete game, allowed just one run, six hits, only three strikeouts. The ERA is down to 3.30 for the season. It's just very weird. The other name is Tony Gonsolin, who was at the Padres on Tuesday. Seven innings, one run, only two strikeouts, no walks, nine ground ball outs. He is allowed three runs or less in all seven of his starts or long relief appearances. Again, that is Tony Gonsolin. His ERA is down to 1.51. His XFIP is 4.40. So the underlying numbers don't love Tony Gonsolin. Any interest in either of these guys?
2: Well, I'd been hyping Gonsolin pretty hard. It's true. Uh, And you know, his matchups this week, I, I assume he's still in line for the second start at Colorado, but I mean, at San Diego was supposed to be, was a non-starter for some people. I, you know, I was recommending playing Gonsolin anyway with those two matchups. Now it's weird because since he only struck out two in seven innings, his, his K per nine rate goes down to it's below eight per nine now for the season, Uh 7.6 per nine. And he's, He's been a fly ball pitcher this year, so I understand why the x fit comes out the way it does. And yet, the elites, uh, the swinging strike rate, at least coming into this start, was elite. And, um, you know, it's it's not just that this year where he's done this sort of thing, putting up a one fifty one ERA and point seven something whip. I mean, look what he did last year in the majors too. He was nearly as dominant. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean. The numbers don't paint a pretty picture. I, I think, I think they're going to get skewed at this point in the season from a guy who wasn't in the rotation in the first place when he has a start where he strikes out two in seven innings. I don't think that's normal. To, normal, normally, what Gonsolin's going to be doing, strikeout wise.
0: Yeah, look, he's been good. He's been solid. Like. I don't know that he is actually available anywhere, but I think if you you start him for the two star week, you love what you got here. And of course, you're already locked into the start at Colorado, but you know he's pitched well enough. So I, I think you just continue to ride it out with Gonsolin and look for Sensatella. I, I don't know what to say here, to Scott. It's just he's defying the odds and he's doing it in Coors fields. He's you know he's been inconsistent at times this year. Swinging strikes were not great on Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> anything I'm struggling. you
2: <laughs> I'm struggling to find any way to be enthusiastic about him and what he's doing. It just, seems like, it just seems like the sort of thing that would be destined to end over a full-length season.
0: We will leave it there for Antonio Senzatella. Some deeper names on the waiver wire for, uh, for those playing in probably anything deeper than 12-team leagues. Shogo Akiyama had two more hits on Tuesday, and he has let off for five straight games for the Cincinnati Reds. He's batting three thirty three in September with four steals and three caught stealing. So the Reds are letting Akiyama run. He is 16% rostered. Any interest there, Scott, uh, if you need steals or runs scored?
2: I hadn't noticed any of that. So that's interesting. His batting average is still terrible for the season. So I I don't... I don't know. I think I'd have to be... In a very specific situation where I can make up a lot of ground and stolen bases in a short amount of time, and maybe I'm putting everybody in there who might help in that regard that that's probably be the that would probably be the only situation where I'd see fit to use Akiyama based on what he's done to this point. Uh, but you know he could be positioning himself for a redemptive sophomore season. The Reds are back in it. The Reds are back in the race. they're twenty four and twenty six. I know we've talked before about how we don't believe they're actually as bad as they've looked. Uh, They're back in it.
0: The Reds are back, baby. How about the Red Sox? Are they back? No, it's not going to happen. No. Ah, It brings a (laughs) smile to my face, if I do say so myself. Tanner Houck made his Major League debut at the Marlins. Obviously, a pretty good matchup here. Five shutout, two hits, three walks, seven strikeouts. He's basically four-seam slider sinker. So, two iterations of a fastball and a slider. Nine swinging strikes on 86 pitches. 4% rostered. It looks like his last two starts are going to be against the Yankees and at the Braves. So, I don't love that. But Tanner Houck looked pretty good in his debut, Scott.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't excited about him coming into it, and it wasn't enough for me to look into using him with those two matchups remaining. Basically it.
0: That is it. Miguel Cabrera. Last name I'll mention here. He homered on Tuesday night and he reached base five times. He is 32% rostered and has some really solid stat cast numbers. The expected stats this season for Miguel Cabrera, but it hasn't really come to fruition. So, just a deeper name, but honestly, if you need a corner infielder, I'll take both Nate Lowe and Jared Walsh ahead of Miguel Cabrera. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I have some Updates on some two-star pitchers, some Team Name Tuesday, some Wednesday to stream or not stream. But Before we get to all that, I just want to quickly remind everybody that we have a bunch of football podcast content for you at CBS. Pick 6 is our NFL podcast with Will Brinson and company. Fantasy Football Today, of course, with Adam Azer, Dave, Jamie, Heath, Ben Schrager, and maybe, maybe I'll even make an appearance in the near future. So stay tuned to that. Uh, And last but not least, FFT in five is the shorter version of fantasy football today. Uh, You could also find that on all of your podcast platforms. It's a quick hitting five minute podcast with all of the daily fantasy football news that you need to win your leagues. All right, we come back. We're going to hit on the rest of what happened on Tuesday here. Fantasy baseball today. Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Some two-start pitcher updates from Tuesday. Sandy Alcantara, very solid against the Red Sox. Six innings of one-run ball, five strikeouts. Looks like his final two starts are going to be against the Nationals. And at the Yankees, Joe Musgrove. At the Reds, five innings pitched, four earned, eight strikeouts. A very rough start. He allowed all four of his runs in the first two innings of the start, and then re- retired the final uh, eleven of the final twelve batters he faced. Thirteen. By the way, starts. these you
2: say two star pitcher update. These are two star pitchers for the current week. Yes. Not for, the, not for next week.
0: That is a good point that you bring up. That yes, I am updating people on the two star pitchers that you started this week. Um, yeah. This guy, the Musgrove thing is just—it is crazy to me, because 13 swinging strikes on 87 pitches, five on the curve, seven on the slider. His final two starts, it's not to the same level of Arcidi, but against the Cardinals and at Cleveland, I, I really like those matchups for Musgrove. He's 59% rostered. Is this one of those moments where you have to put me in check? Because, like, I don't know. I'm just. I'm so in my own world with Joe Musgrove. Like sometimes I just, I don't even know. I don't want to talk about him anymore. Would you like to say anything about Joe Musgrove?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was in my recommended two start pitchers for this week. You know, having only one start next week, the fact that it's it's against Cleveland. You said yes. Y- you know, you Most people probably aren't, and most people who are playing for a championship probably aren't going to need to use Musgrove for that start. I don't think he's earned you know that kind of preferential treatment in a one start week but he's been he's he, i i think he's looked better since coming back from the IL i think you know obviously we haven't seen him go deep into all of those starts because he had to build himself back up but i think he's you know depending how the next two starts go he's he's positioning himself to be uh to be kind of a hyped Fantasy draft pick again, yet no. again. No, Frankie. No,
0: no, 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 mm-hmm. no, 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 no.
2: <laughs> all right. I can't Tracy do it again. Morgan.
0: I know. That's exactly what I, I was trying to think of his name. <laughs> I was like, this is, I'm doing this gif in real life right now. Like that is, yeah. that is actually what I'm doing. But, uh, all right. Well, Scott said it, not me, <laughs> regarding Joe Musgrove. Matthew Boyd. I wonder if this is another one who's going to suck us in over the final couple of starts for the. 2021 season, he was against the Royals on Tuesday. Five and two thirds shutout, five strikeouts, four walks, meh, eleven swinging strikes on 105 pitches, two runs or less in four of Boyd's last five starts. I think he still remains volatile. uh, Volatile. Yeah,
2: all the starts except the one everybody used him for, right?
0: Exactly, right. But he's (laughs) he's another one. I mean, his final two starts. If you you know if you have him locked in, his next start is against Cleveland for this week. And next week, he's at the Royals again, and he just pitched well against them.
2: He threw a slider just 10% of the time in this start. That's supposed to be... Yeah, like he's com- Last year, that was his everything, you know? He's
0: completely changed it. He uses the change-up ton now, and also his fastball, which I, I don't think it's a good fastball. It's like 91 miles per hour. There's not a lot of movement on it.
2: And man, who knows what to make of Matthew Boyd at this point, but I am, like the only like this was the last week and you had to have had to be pretty desperate to do it. But like, this is the last week I could have. Yeah. I I think you could even remotely justify playing him just because, okay, he's making two starts and maybe he'll get double digit strikeouts in one of those starts, you know,
0: you know what we Uh, need? We need Matthew Boyd either on the Astros or the Tampa Bay Rays next year. That's what we need. And then I'm buying in. I'm all in. (laughs) Yeah because those organizations just know what to do with pitchers. Uh, Speaking of which, Dane Dunning was going up against the Twins, and he was very good. Seven innings, two runs, only one of those were earned, seven strikeouts, but only seven swinging strikes on 102 pitches, three runs or less in all five of Dane Dunning's starts, and it looks like his final two matchups, the Reds later this week and the Cubs next week. What did you think of yeah. this one from Dunning?
2: As somebody who just mentioned yesterday that he opted for a two-star Dane Dunning over a two-star Pablo Lopez. Because yeah. <laughs> turns out Dunning was even better. He got the win as well. Uh, it's it's weird because his last two starts have been his worst swinging strike starts. And that was like, oh, look at how many swinging strikes this guy's getting through the first three starts. That was the story. And yet they've been his, his best starts in terms of results. So... Um, now, I'm not exactly sure what to make of that, but obviously the overall swinging strike rate is very high and um, minor league track record is very strong and he's given no reason for us to lose faith in him. This like this was the hard start that he was going to get this week against the Twins, and mm-hmm. he passed that test with flying colors.
0: What, what are you thinking about Dunning for next year, Scott? I don't think he's going to reach the same levels of hype as... Sixto Sanchez or Ian Anderson or Corbin Burns, for that matter. But no, I, you know, I could see him like top forty, top forty five ish starting pitcher. I think. Yeah, I think that
2: sounds right. He'll be he'll be just outside the range of pitchers that people genuinely trust, but he'll be in that next range uh, where guys like who 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 are those guys this year.
0: Matthew Boyd, <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, Matthew Boyd, kind of, kind of Nelson too, but it was mm, yeah. somebody who didn't turn out to be especially good or especially bad. I mean, I, I guess, I guess, like Masahiro Tanaka was kind of in that range too. Yeah, like uh, Rich that.
0: Hill was in that range. Joe Musgrove, yeah. Mitch Keller, you know, it's like that sleeper-ish range where you don't want to draft them as anything higher than you know your SP five or like a bench starting pitcher, but it's someone who's going to have upside. Like I'm still excited about Dane Dunning heading into the 2021 season. Some leftovers from Tuesday, some hitters that stood out to me, Didi Gregorius, another one. We just haven't really spoke about him. He's just rock solid this season. He had two hits on Tuesday, including his eighth home run of the season. He has three steals this year. He makes a ton of contact. He just pulls fly balls nonstop. And, you know, going from Yankee stadium to citizens bank has not been, you know, A downgrade for him. It's still a pretty good hitter's park. It's not the same kind of short porch in right field, but uh, Didi Gregorius is a top ten shortstop in roto. He's at top twelve shortstop in fantasy points per game as well. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had a big game. Three hits. He finished a triple short of the cycle. He hits the ball extremely hard, but his ground ball rate is still over fifty percent. So I don't know what to make of that. Adam Duval hit another home run, another one. He now has ten home runs in September and 15 overall. Uh, George Springer has now homered in 3 of his last 5 games. He is batting 288 in September. He's getting hot at the right time. And Byron Buxton had two hits including an inside the park home run. And if you watch this this him run around the bases. He I think he's the fastest player in baseball. I I don't think that that is an exaggeration. Like Byron Buxton is incredible. Anyway, he is batting 314 in September. Launch angle is way up this year. Uh, his average exit velocity is all, also up over 90 miles per hour. So, Buxton, Springer, Duval, Vlad Guerrero, Didi. Anything you would like to add on these gentlemen, Scott?
2: Uh, I don't... I, like George Springer, things are really looking up for him in, in the underlying numbers too, which were never that bad, by the way, like the stat cast numbers. But now they're even looking better as he heats up. I, I don't know. I mean, Buxton, like Buxton made two big changes last year to his profile. He started striking out a lot less. He started elevating a lot more. Those are both two very good changes to make. He continues to strike out only around a quarter of the time this year, which, you know, compared to his earlier standard, was is not very high. And he's leaned even more into elevating the ball. Uh, yeah, he's not walking out. At all. So it's still like, it's still like how how good could he be? You, you still look at the, the profile and though it looks better than the past, it's still kind of like a how good could he be profile. And, um, you know, I, I'm having a hard time getting enthusiastic about Buxton, but there still seems to be a path for him to emerge as something more. He's super
0: aggressive this year. I just realized his chase rate is nearly fifty three percent, which is just absurd. But at the same time, he's he's not striking out. You know, it's you mentioned twenty five percent strikeout rate. So I, I mean,
2: that's not a that's not a good strikeout rate, but it's it's not it's not bad either, and it's not nearly as bad as he used to be.
0: Yeah, but yeah, I, I guess he's just making a concerted effort to be more uh, aggressive this season. But I mean, oof. A chase rate that high usually does not end well for hitters, and even with as fast as he is, I just spoke about it. He only has one stolen base on the season, which I just I find weird right. as well. Some pitchers from Tuesday, you uh, Darvish was against Cleveland. Seven innings, nine hits, three runs, only one walk. It's pretty standard, you Darvish, at this point. Seven strikeouts, uh, back-to-back starts, allowing three earned runs. Carlos Carrasco on the other side in this game. Six innings, three runs, five strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 86 pitches. That is four straight quality starts for Carrasco. You want to talk about a league winner. Final two starts are against the Tigers and against the Pirates. So love that for Carrasco. And then Sean Manaya, was at Coors Field. We we talked about him a lot recently. We, you know, we were scared of this start, admittedly. Five and two thirds, three earned, seven strikeouts, thirteen swinging strikes on eighty nine pitches for Mania. Uh, that is six straight starts allowing three runs or less, and he has lowered his ERA from nine to four point five zero during that time. His x for the season is three point six one. That is Sean Manaya. So anything there, Scott? Darvish? Any concern over Darvish just allowing three runs two straight? No,
2: no, no. That's not the kind of thing that's going to concern me. Uh, Manaya, because that is a. I mean, that's a very solid xFIP. That is probably mm-hmm. top twenty in the league type xFIP. And xFIP is, you know, if 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 you had to, if if I if if I could only accept one stat for a pitcher, like I give you this stat, you you tell me that this stat alone is going to tell you how good the pitcher is. I, I would probably choose XVIP. So I mean that means something to me for sure. But he's it's just weird how, how much his profiles change. It's mostly ground balls and a an outstanding walk rate. It's it's kind of like a I, I don't know. He's kind of looking like a poor man poor man's Hyunjin Ryu at this point. And of course Ryu's reached a, a level you know, of, of consistency where we trust him to keep doing that year after year. I don't know that I'm there with Manaya, but it's a profile that could work for him if he is able to sustain it.
0: Yeah. 52% ground ball rate. Actually that went, no, that yeah. 52% ground ball rate from Manaya this season. He's never been above 44%. So pitching a little bit more to contact, but getting a lot of ground balls, he got off to a very, very terrible start. Um, but yeah. Shamaniah has turned it around. Some bullpen notes from Tuesday. Nick Anderson recorded the final two outs with the bases loaded up 6-1, to one. so not a conventional save, but he did earn the save his fifth of the season. Hector Neris picked up the save for the Phillies, up 4-1. to one. Brandon Workman should have been available, but he allowed runs in each of his past two appearances. Hector Neris, 54% rostered. Scott, do you think he is the closer now of the Phillies?
2: I don't know. Has Workman been that bad recently? I don't, I feel like he's been okay. Um, I don't know. To be honest, I saw, I saw Nares got the save and I didn't, because he's been the Phillies closer for so long, I didn't stop and think about it. that was weird. So I did not look, <laughs> look into him more.
0: Uh, Do you yeah. think
2: he is? I, I yeah. I mean, I, I'm leaning that way.
0: Um, yeah. Because, so, I mean, Workman on the season. Last I checked, his whip
2: is over two. So mm-hmm. <laughs> he's he's not good. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he blew a save on the tenth, and then he pitched the seventh and eighth parts of the seventh and eighth for a hold on the twelfth.
0: Yeah, Workman's ERA is four point five zero on the season. He's got a two point two two whip. Just
2: yeah, ghastly. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, it certainly looks like they're they're moving away from work, man.
0: Yeah. I, I think Neris is probably the guy now, but not really available. Yeah, 54%. He might be around there and might be around in some 12-team leagues. Stephon Crichton of the Arizona Diamondbacks, only 3% rostered, now has back-to-back saves for the D-backs, and he's looking like the guy. So if you are desperate down the stretch of your four saves, Crichton seems to be the guy, Scott.
2: I I don't know who else it could be. I added him in a couple leagues, you know, deep leagues where everybody who gets saves is rostered. I added him in a couple for this week. And, like, I don't think he's very good, but saves are saves. You get him where you can. And uh, I do think he's going to be the source of them for the Diamondbacks here to finish out the season, however many saves that means. Hopefully, I don't know, hopefully two more (laughs) from today. (laughs) Yeah. I'd take that.
0: Diamondbacks, not very good. Uh, some team name Tuesday. I didn't get to these yesterday. We had a lot on yesterday's show with the keeper questions, but from Brendan, Winker, Taylor, Soler, Spy.
2: Do you know what okay. this is? There's not. It's kind of weird that you come up with three players and not a fourth, right?
0: <laughs> what is there? Anyone that could rhyme with Spy? Sky. Sky Bolt.
2: I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you're working a first name in there with.
0: Yeah, it doesn't doesn't work. As I'm not well. even
2: sure which Taylor who who's Taylor specific? I mean, I'm sure there are players named Taylor, but
0: Chris Taylor, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but apparently that's based off a movie, Tinker, Taylor, yeah. Soldier, Spy. Oh, Scott yes. Scott just said that very matter of factly. So this is probably <laughs> something I should have seen in my life, and I I, I just I, I mean I, I never even some...
2: heard of it. I think I got some awards buzz a few years back. I haven't actually seen it. It's starring Gary Oldman, I think. I'm not even sure if I said his name right.
0: Uh, this one also came from Brendan. This is a classic. How I Met Your Mother.
2: That's a show, Frank. <laughs> it was a show. I did hey, wh- say Gary Oldman right. Good for me.
0: Did you watch How I Met Your Mother, Scott?
2: I watched it all the way through. What do you think? Uh what do i think i think it's i think it's an example of a show that went on for four or five seasons too long loved it in the beginning plowed through it the rest of the way and then uh was severely let down by the ending as as usual with with all shows i think uh but it was uh usually i feel like when shows try to like go too big with the ending it 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 it, it falls apart like if, if they try and do this like misdirection thing with the mm-hmm. ending it's it's it never goes well just give us a conventional ending and we'll we won't be left with that bitter taste in our mouths because like you you go years building people up for one thing it's it's not like a movie where a twist ending can be a great thing you know because it's it's two hours built up to that you don't have nearly as much invested in how this is going to all turn out, you know, it's years, years of believing something's going to happen, and then something very different happens, and it's just like, Ugh.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, they tried way too hard with How I Met Your Mother. Uh, I watched How I Met Your Mother before The Office, and at the time, I was like, wow, I, I really like this. And I was like, oh, this is you know one of the one of the best sitcoms ever. But and then The Office just completely blew it out of the water. I've got another take for you, Scott. Ted Mosby is top three most annoying characters in television history. Mind you, I haven't watched like every show ever. <laughs> but from the shows that I have watched, he is top three most annoying.
2: He's so cringy too. Um, look, he's, he's of the main five. He's probably fourth or fifth. In terms of appeal in that show, um you know he wasn't he wasn't one of those characters who was written to be like intentionally annoying i mean he he did he was made to have some annoying traits. I think that's obvious uh I don't know i've I've heard people give that take before i'm I'm kind of indifferent on Ted Mosby all
0: right, I tried this one's from Trey did it all for the mookie okay. <laughs> scott is not impressed Do i'm still
2: well i'm still lingering on what we were just talking about that's
0: i i was thinking in my head like who are the most annoying characters that i've seen in television ted mosby came to mind joffrey but that was
2: his job Well, joffrey i don't know that i don't know that annoying is the <laughs> adjective i'd used to and like he was an incredible character like you can uh, be an annoying character yes and an incredible character you know that is, you're that's just- correct so perfectly annoying, you know? I would
0: say the same thing about his name, uh, Ramsey Bolton?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, you're, you're talking about, like...
0: <laughs> you're supposed to hate these guys.
2: Like, malicious. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I can't even think of the right adjective to describe them. I mean, you're talking about really bad people versus <laughs> annoying, which is just, you know, annoying is just annoying.
0: Skyler White also came to mind from Breaking Bad.
2: Okay, okay. she is annoying. Yeah,
0: but uh, I guess I don't know. You can empathize with her. She, I, I mean,
2: guess. yeah, I mean, she was dealt a, a horrible hand there by. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. That's... I
0: always want to root for Walter White, even though like he's obviously not a good person, but. Uh, that, that's why they make these shows. It's, the it's an interesting show.
2: Like you're you're rooting for him in the beginning, but then the further he he gets into it, it's it's like he becomes the the antagonist of the show, mm-hmm. and then you know he semi redeems himself at the end, but he, you know, he got the ending he deserved, for sure, based on what he did.
0: From Nicholas Josh Donaldson.
2: Okay, sure. <laughs> He hits donks. Oh, well, he hasn't been this year.
0: Uh, the last was from David. Mookie Hosmer, MD.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, I in high school, senior year of high school, there was this group of guys who who called me Doogie because they thought I looked like Doogie <laughs> Hauser. Like the actual Doogie... Like Neil Patrick Harris when he played Doogie Hauser. And this was before Neil Patrick Harris like re-entered the the spotlight which shows like how i met your mother to bring this conversation full circle i don't think i look that much like him now but they thought i looked like doogie howser so they called me doogie
0: i don't know if anyone has like the photoshop skills who listens to this but if anyone wants to get scott white's face on an old school doogie howser poster i'm 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 all for it And Photoshop my face on someone too while you're at it because we're not just going to make fun of Sky. You can make fun of me as well. Uh, Wednesday, to stream or not to stream. The must-starts that I have here. Jacob DeGrom, Luis Castillo. I don't even think we spoke about Luis Castillo from the weekend, but had a big positive regression game on, I think it was last Friday. Garrett Cole, Lucas Giolito, Dylan Bundy, and Aaron Savali. Is Aaron Savali still must-start at the Cubs? Yeah, pretty close. Okay, I got some names for you, Scott. Let's go. Hermann Marquez versus Oakland in Coors Field, a team that just got a complete game thrown against them by Antonio Senzatella.
2: Hmm. In Coors, though, and uh, I look. I'd probably lean towards starting him, but this is this is the most difficult pitcher to have, <laughs> like this has been the most frustrating pitcher to know when to start or sit. He was good last time at Coors, and the A's haven't had a great offense this year. So I I think I'd be inclined to start him unless I was just being really careful with the RA and whip. Dustin
0: May at the Padres.
2: Mm, I mean, that's borderline, but I lean toward yes.
0: Adam Wainwright at the Brewers. (laughs) After what we just saw.
2: Yeah, they just scored a ton of runs off Jack Flaherty. Again, I lean yes, but it's, I'm not comfortable about it.
0: It's a yes for me, for Adam Wainwright. Trevor Rogers versus the Red Sox.
2: I, I don't think so. Not after the way his last start went. I, and, and like I wasn't to the point where I was all in on him before that anyway. All
0: right, how about these two, Scott? Who would you rather start? Or would you start both? Brady Singer at Detroit or Tariq
2: Skubal versus the Royals? I don't think either is a horrible start, but I'd lean no on both.
0: I kind of like Singer at Detroit. His last start out was very good. He had that no-hitter going into the seventh inning. Eh, it's only if you're desperate, though. Cole Hamels at the Orioles. I think we said no on this already, right, Scott?
2: No, but he is in line for two starts next week. And I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think the matchups are pretty good. So, like, it might be, if, if, you're, if you're eyeing championship week and you don't want... You want to deprive your competition of uh, you know, any potential sabato- guys who are going to sabotage you. It might be worth picking up Hamels just in case he's great in this start and then he becomes like a, a trendy pickup for that final two-start week.
0: Scott, your favorite pitcher, Keegan Aiken versus the Braves. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Lance McCullers versus the Rangers.
2: Fresh off the IL. It's a good matchup, but I'd rather not.
0: Caleb Smith at the Diamondbacks. Wait no, no he's, But he's, in, he's he plays for the Diamondbacks. I mean, he plays for the Diamondbacks. The so that's Angels. not right.
2: Yeah, I I don't think it's going to matter who he's facing. Just he's still building up. But he's another one who's in line for two starts with two good matchups next week, and might be worth picking up if you know either if you're chasing somebody else or if uh, you know you want to deprive your competition of a potential uh, yeah a potential uh, uh, what's the word like a Trojan horse, I guess. <laughs>
0: Last but not least, Drew Smiley at the Mariners. No. That's a solid no from me as well. He is Scott White. I am Frank Sample. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We we will be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, picture this.